At this particular moment, as we celebrate the Christmas season, likely so many of us are very familiar with the nativity scene or the creche that's often displayed in our homes and in our churches. And we know that there's a lot of different figures that go into that scene. That we know about the shepherds that are often there that are simply gazing upon the Christ child that they've heard proclaimed to them by the angels. Maybe there's a few angels mixed in the group as well, that they are still praising God for the majesty of what has just happened. Maybe there's a variety of farm animals, a few different things, and maybe even just a few people that stand off to the side. And yet there's a few that are a part of the core of that nativity scene that we would likely think that if they're gone, we would definitely miss their presence. That we spoke about Joseph two weeks ago about that gift of faith that he had and about how he continued to believe even before the Christ child was born. Then we came to the incarnation, the nativity, and how we're still celebrating that today, the very fact that God became man, that the word became flesh and dwells among us. And then there's one last one, and this one that's just kind of off to the side and yet still important and vital, and that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. That today as a church we celebrate the solemnity of Mary, the mother of God, the fact that she was in, given that special role in that special place to be the mother of God, at least in some way, and to be that one that brought him into the world, to be that portal that he enters into and, to, and that one that he enters to save humanity. And yet as we celebrate this feast day, what does it really teach us to do? What does it encourage us to do as we see the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary? Perhaps the readings can offer a few insights to us for this question. First, we start off with the book of Numbers, and we are given this passage that gives us an idea of this blessing that has been given to Aaron through Moses and through the Lord. That this blessing is not just any blessing, but in fact it is the Aaronic blessing. It's the one that is really typifying what the Lord is giving to his people, and it's really showing the way that the Lord reaches, through, reaches down from heaven and reaches down to his people because he wants to show his face, that he wants to give them a sign of his blessing, a sign of his favor. And we're likely somewhat familiar with this text. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his, be, let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. It's a very simple blessing, and yet it's one that's important and it's vital because it's being entrusted to Aaron and to his sons, the priests of that time, because they want to express God's face and want to express his presence to his people. And so whenever that blessing is invoked, it shows them and it reminds them of how the Lord is continuing to favor them. And it's not just in the moments that things are going well, but it's especially for the moments when things aren't going well. Whenever they need to be reminded of the Lord's presence, the ways that they need to continue to see that he is there even in the moments when they can be tempted to despair or tempted to doubt that his presence is still amongst them. So the Lord gives them this beautiful blessing bestowed upon them by the priests and it's something that reminds his people that he is always there and that he wants to continue to let his face shine upon them especially in those small little ways that they need especially in those moments of doubt or the moments of darkness. And we move on and we move to St. Paul in his letter to the Galatians, and this reminds us of the mystery of the incarnation at the very beginning, that God sent his son born of a woman, and he continues to save us from that, or save us through that, to continue to be with us always. That we're reminded of that beautiful mystery, the fact that God became man, that he dwelt amongst us in our midst, and that he does that through ordinary means, at least in some sense, through the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
And so he uses this son born of a woman to continue to, ex- to continue to save the world and to, to continue to teach them of his presence, to remind them that he is really there. And so he sends this son, this divine person, and sends her, him through the blessed Virgin Mary and sends him into our midst. But there's more to it. Because if we see the fact of the way that we've been adopted, the ways that we're continuing to see God's favor and the way that he is reaching out to us through the Blessed Virgin Mary and through the Incarnation, then we also notice that he is continuing to call us into relationship with him. And that's what St. Paul is reminding the Galatians of. The fact that we can say, Abba, Father, that we can reach out and call God our Father. That this isn't just a title, this isn't just something ordinary, but it's something that's rather profound, it's very powerful and very striking, that God himself is giving us the ability to call out and to reach up to him. That we see the beauty of the incarnation, we see the ways that he's acting something that seems so far above us through the blessed Virgin Mary and through his son, that he sends his son into our midst through the blessed Virgin Mary, and yet he still does something all the more beautiful through that relationship by calling us his sons and daughters. And so St. Paul is reminding the Galatians of this fact, that the incarnation has happened, that he has sent his son, born of a woman, to be in our midst, but still he wants to call us to be his sons and his daughters, that he is adopting each and every one of us to be in that specific and special relationship with him. And then finally, we arrive at the gospel according to Luke. And this is a reminder of that beautiful mystery of when the nativity happens, how much it is invited and it's announced to all of those that are around. Because it isn't just something that's sort of relegated to that stable, but in fact is proclaimed to the hillsides and even to the most humble of people, even to the shepherds. So we hear the story of that recounting of how the shepherds hear the good news that the angels are proclaiming to them and how they believe in their hearts. And so they approach that stable and that manger and they see everything exactly as they had been told. And they glorify God because of this moment, that they see that everything has been told to them very correctly, and that they've been privileged to be one of the first people to behold Jesus on this earth. And so they not only behold this, but because of the joy that's in their hearts, they start to tell Mary and Joseph of this mystery, of the fact that the angels appeared to them and told them everything as it was. And it's such a beautiful mystery that we're told that Mary takes all of these things and ponders on them in her heart, that she receives them and continues to recollect and recount them because they're such beautiful mysteries that it isn't just for one moment, but in fact is something that Mary continues to think about time and time again because the mystery of the incarnation isn't something small. It isn't something very specific to a time and a place, but it's something with eternal repercussions. It's something that lasts and continues to give its effect even to this day. And so Mary ponders all of these things in her heart. She recollects them and she holds on to them with her heart. And so she continues to see the beauty of this mystery that she's involved in, not by her own merit, but by God's grace. And it's such a profound moment that she is able to be the mother of God. So she's able to reflect on this mystery, the fact that she's been called in, even though she may not know exactly how, that she's still called in to be a part of this moment because it's such a profound moment in our salvation history. And yet as we think about all of these things, we see Mary's particular role, but what does it call for us to do as we consider not only Mary's role, but exactly how God used her as a beautiful and profound tool in his hands? 
Well, it gives us a few different moments of perspective. Because if we go back to the book of Numbers, it might seem like it's not directly related to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And yet the fact that the Lord is shining his face upon his people, this is done in a very specific way because Mary is the avenue by which this grace appears. Because she is the tool and the instrument that is given the ability to be the mother of God. Because she is that perfect tool, that perfect instrument by which God brings his son into the world. And so this is a beautiful moment because that blessing comes to the fullness of fruition because it tells us that God wants to be in our midst, that he wants his face to shine upon us, not just in the good moments, but in the bad moments as well. And so whenever he uses Mary to bring about that beautiful mystery of the incarnation, in fact, being the mother of God, then in fact, it's not just something for so long ago, not 2,000 years ago, not even just a simple nativity scene, but it's something meant for all of us to see the ways that God is shining his face upon us, and he is blessing us, especially through the Blessed Virgin Mary, that he used her to continue to give us this source of blessing, especially as he gives us his son. But then we continue on, and we're reminded in St. Paul in his letter to the Galatians that we see Mary's specific and beautiful relationship with the Lord, that she, in fact, is invited in to be the mother of God. But it's not just a relationship for her, but it's a relationship for each and every one of us. Because we're given that spirit of being adopted sons and daughters of God the Most High, and yet we're still given that ability to be the adopted sons and daughters of Mary as well. And so whenever we look towards that source of heavenly grace, the mediatrix of all graces, then in fact we look towards Mary. Not for her own glory, not for her own sort of glorification, but in fact because she is the one that is able to mediate on our behalf that she's able to extend her hand towards God and get us the graces that we need, that she in fact stands not just as the mother of God, but the mother of the church and the mother of each and every one of us as well. This is a beautiful and profound place that she's given, but it's a place that gives us relationship and recourse to her as well. Then finally we arrive at the gospel, and this is a beautiful reminder of the time of year that we're in, that it is no mistake that Mary is celebrated as the mother of God in the context of the Christmas season, because it's something that's very deliberate. It's a choice that the church made, because it's such a beautiful and profound title, but it tells us exactly what Mary is recounting and how she continues to ponder all of these things in her heart. Isn't it up to us to recount all of these things in our heart as well? That we see the mystery of the incarnation, we see how Mary is used as that instrument, a tool by God. That we see all of the different things that take place. Aren't we moved by this? Because if we truly believe what the incarnation is and what the nativity offers to us, it's a moment of profound joy, it's a moment of profound hope, and it's something that shouldn't just last us a moment, it shouldn't just be like a flash of lightning and it's gone, but it should be something that's continuing to be with us at all times. That much like Mary, we should be pondering the mystery of the incarnation with our hearts and with our souls at every moment in every day, because it's something that impacts not only our present, not just our past, but also our future, because it shows us the hope that is our call. The fact that God himself took upon our flesh, upon himself through the Blessed Virgin Mary, and became man so that we could be saved, so that we in fact could experience that beautiful salvation, because God himself has redeemed humanity and redeemed human nature. But that's all done, but it should be reflected upon by us in every day and every age. Because it's not just something that we celebrate for a season, but much like Mary, we're given that encouragement to reflect upon it at every time, in every place, in every way. 
But I dare say we can approach Mary in a very specific and beautiful way today. Because we hear of Mary as the mother of God, we hear of Mary as mother of the church. Do we adopt her as our mother as well? Because my brothers and sisters, so often in life we encounter moments of weakness, we encounter moments of struggle, or moments where we really need the hand of God in a specific and beautiful way. And it's not just simply up to us to obtain the grace or that divine help that we need, but in fact we can also inquire to our mother, to Mary, the mother of God, to get those graces that we so require. That in those moments of despair, in the moments when we feel that our faith is weakening, we're in danger of falling out, where in fact maybe we've lost the nativity altogether together and we just don't feel the joy of the incarnation any longer, that in fact we can approach Mary because she has the tenderness of a mother towards each and every one of us. That this is a mystery, yes, but it's something that's beautiful for us because we're able to approach God even in the moments when we feel weak, whenever we feel discouraged or when we feel like we don't know where to turn. That we can turn to Mary as our mother as well because we know that she wants to get the favor of God for us, that she wants to obtain the graces and to distribute all of the graces that we receive. Need, that we ever need, because she's been given that beautiful place by God as the mediatrix of all graces, the one who is able to distribute every help and every divine aid that we could ever need. But she doesn't do this on her own, but she does it because God the Father wants to look upon us and shine his face, much like the book of Numbers reminds us. That in fact, God isn't far removed from us at all, but in fact, the incarnation, it reminds us of just how close God is. And that's not just for Mary either, that as we look at the nativity scene, we see of this beautiful symbol of hope because it reminds us of the proximity that God wants to have to each and every one of us, that he wants to be near us, especially in those moments when we feel like we might need it most, so that indeed we can continue to ponder the mystery of the nativity and the incarnation within our hearts, just much like Mary did. That's not just for her to ponder herself, but it's for each and every one of us to ponder ourselves so that we too can gain that grace and that grace and that heavenly aid that we might all require. My brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the solemnity of Mary, the mother of God, not just for her own sake, not just for her glory, but in fact in the way that she continues to point to God in all things and to glorify God through her own way. And it's up to us to continue to seek the ways that we're continually called into that relationship with the newborn king, not just on our own, but especially through the Mary, the mother of God and Mary, the mother of church, the church, because she wants to bring us into that closer relationship and to continue to give us all of the grace and all of that divine aid that each of us require. My brothers and sisters, as we celebrate this feast day and the solemnity, let's continue to remind ourselves not just of Mary's place, not just as she is the mother of God, but as she exists as the mother of each and every one of us and how she wants to give us that divine grace and heavenly aid.